to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty War Zone's very own rookie rundown show. As always, I am your host, Dallas, and you can find me on all the social medias at Salad Galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L galore. It is great to be here again, folks, and we are in the thick of the rookie content, as is always the case in the springtime leading up to the draft. But we are here for the second rendition of the Red Light Green Light segment for these prospects and specifically for team fits for the prospects leading up to the NFL draft here in April and post NFL free agency in 2023. So if you did not catch last week's episode, uh, I covered the quarterback position and the running back position, went over all 32 teams. The way that this works is that I'm going through all of them. I categorize every team in the NFL as a red light, a green light, or a yellow light. Um, The red light is a help, stop what you are doing, stop at the light and address the position. The yellow light is a mm, take it or leave it. You can fill the spot if you're feeling spicy. You can leave it if you're feeling extra spicy. And green light is carry on as you were. No real need to shake up this room of the positional breakdowns with a rookie of note for the fantasy aspect of the game. Um, I went through all 32 teams as talked about. Um, Quite a few teams needed players at the running back position, so that was a little bit more enticing than the quarterback position, but I still touched on all of those aspects. Uh, I do want to slow it down just a tad this week. I felt like last week was a little bit fast. It didn't give you the full breakdown kind of exactly of who these players are. Um, I am saving a lot of the actual player analysis for you as to play style, what you can expect in their rookie seasons. For post-draft content, as you all know, that is when I deep Uh, dive kind of deep into my Oklahoma drill, my player type comparisons, as well as start bringing in some guests specifically for the teams to go over these draft classes and give you my official end of draft rankings. Um, There will still be a ranking show going into the NFL draft as my final ranks, but this is the second edition of this red light green light segment, and I still want to give you an overall analysis of what the landscape is looking like for these rookie prospects now at the wide receiver and tight end position this week after free agency. So without further ado, we will jump right on into the wide receiver position, and we will go in alphabetical order just like last week's show with the Arizona Cardinals. So as of right now, the time of recording, DeAndre Hopkins is still an Arizona Cardinal. Um, I don't think that's the case come draft time. I don't think that's the case come specifically round two of draft time. Um, We could very, very, very likely see a switch or a flop of picks maybe that first night of the NFL draft on April 27th. Um, But I do not, for this exercise sake or for my own personal, you know, mental sake, have DeAndre Hopkins on this roster right now. Um, I actually have him off in general of rosters, but I do have him actually technically um, going to be Indianapolis Colts. Um, They still need 
another wide receiver option even after that trade and i will address that here later but as of right now i have him off of the arizona cardinals leaving that receiving room really with only marquise brown and rondell moore to be the names of note here on this wide receiver core looking at arizona obviously with those two names they are fantasy relevant but the overall core in general does need some uh, shakeup. so they are a red light for me need to address that position um, the body type that they have right now is the smaller quick twitchier type of guy with suspect hands is what i would say with both of the top two options on this arizona cardinals team right now uh, the guy i have as a perfect fit for them is a perfect fit for anyone who needs a sure-handed underneath wide receiver um you could really dispatch Rondo Moore however you wanted to. And we saw last year he was dispatched a little bit further downfield, which is where you kind of wanted to see him used. Um, I have Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State falling here um, to the Arizona Cardinals, realistically at the back end of the second round or the back end of the third round if he starts to slip a little bit. This is a guy who, if you like JSN's type of game type, this is the not great value because that seems like a disservice to Xavier Hutchinson, but a, a light version of a J. Um, his ability to separate underneath is next level. Uh, I think it is the second best of the class right behind a guy like JSN. And he is sure-handed when it comes to his catches. So this is exactly what the offense needs. The exact fit that I anticipate them bringing in. I anticipate a true slot most likely coming in. But Xavier Hutchinson can play inside and outside. So that versatility is really helpful when you have three wide receivers of this um, kind of acumen on this Arizona Cardinals offense right now. The second team in alphabetic order is none other than the Atlanta Falcons in similar vein to the Arizona Cardinals over the running back position and wide receiver position. Atlanta is also in need of another wide receiver. Um, as of right now, their top two options are Drake London, who is going into his sophomore season. Um, it was a respectable campaign his rookie year, but nothing uh, earth shattering is what I would say. And then bringing in Matt Collins from the Raiders. Um, absolutely no one has a second option outside of Kyle Pitts, who is coming off of a rather serious injury from last year. So they need a true separator underneath is what they need on this team. They lost a guy like Olamide Zacchaeus uh, in free agency this year, but I could very easily see them bringing in a true slot, a guy that can just eat up space underneath in the form of Zay Flowers in the early second round with that. Um, I guess that would make it to what the 40th overall pick in the NFL draft in the second round. I think that that would be a very intelligent place to pick him. Uh, that's around the range that you're probably going to see him going. There's a lot of talk of a lot of wide receivers in the first round, but I don't really anticipate that happening. And Zay Flowers is the exact mold, like I was saying, that this Atlanta team is in need of. Going on to the third team in alphabetical order is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, the Ravens currently are still just sitting pat, <laughs> unfortunately, with Bateman and DuVernay. Um, Bateman has shown extreme flashes, and DuVernay has as well, but both kind of prototypically are more of a intermediate round type of wide receiver. They don't really have a field stretcher or a big guy that's reliable on the outside, outside of a Mark Andrews who truly kind of just owns the middle of the field right now. So they need a big bodied wide receiver. And the guy I have landing in a, not really a uh, typical Baltimore physical prototype would be a guy like Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. Um, he is not my favorite prospect by any stretch of the imagination, but I do like his skill set here. He's a contested catch down the field guy who, if you got to throw the ball up in a 50-50 situation like Lamar likes to do, which for 
you know, in terms of this actual exercise, I have Lamar still in Baltimore. Um, I think Tillman rounds out that wide receiver core very nicely. Um, I could still see them bringing in someone in free agency right now. I think it's realistic because there's some question marks all around this roster. Uh, but going in with just Bateman and Duvernay seems like a very ill timed mistake to make with all of the issues going on with Lamar. I think if they do re-sign him with the money, they're definitely going to want to draft some uh, pieces to put around the guy that they just gave $200 million to. Next team on the list is the Buffalo Bills. Um, they are in a yellow category. I do see them adding another wide receiver just because they officially let go of both Jamison Crowder as well as let go of um, Isaiah McKenzie. Had to think about that for a second. Um, I personally think that this is Khalil Shakir season because of this, but um, a guy that could come in and potentially replace the inevitable shipping off of Gabriel Davis is another big-bodied guy that works on the outside, but who has very reliable hands. Um, it is a guy in A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest, 6'5", 215, um, really big dude, very lanky, uh, good deep speed, and a good intermediate receiver. Kind of reminds me of like an Allen Robinson type of body type, um, just with obviously 6'5 is much taller than Robinson, but just the way that they play on the outside, just kind of a sure-handed wide receiver out there in A.T. Perry. I'm not going to wow you with any of his athletic traits, but could be the true outside guy and reliable piece that this offense has been looking for to pair with a Stephon Diggs, really since he came to Buffalo three years ago. Going on to the Carolina Panthers, um, the team that is probably in need of the wide receiver position the most out of anyone. Um, Carolina Panthers currently rocking just Adam Thielen, LaVisca Chennault, and Terrace Marshall. Um, there's some interesting pieces here, but there's a bunch of guys that really have kind of just flamed out at the wide receiver position. Um, one type of profile that they do like is athleticism and physicality. That's been proven both in the acquisitions that they've made this offseason. Uh, sorry, they also brought in DJ Chark. Um, but a lot of one-year deals here, basically, in the Carolina, Carolina wide receiver core. Um, I have had them bringing in Rasheed Rice. I think that type of physicality underneath wide receiver learning from an Adam Thielen to help kind of refine his game could be probably the best landing spot for Rasheed Rice. Um, I don't see an immediate fantasy impact if he were to land here in Carolina, but the fit is really Really nice for what they would be looking to do in this Frank Reich system. Then we go on to five teams that are all green light for me, meaning status quo, keep going with what you have. Um, you're looking at five teams in a row, which is wild saying because the Bears are the first one in here that may be five of the top probably seven or eight wide receiver groups. It's definitely five of the top 10 wide receiver groups in the league right now. And those are the Chicago Bears, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Denver Broncos. Uh, with Chicago bringing in DJ Moore, uh, they already had uh, Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. They could easily bring in a fourth option, but Equinemius St. Brown as a four is a much better option than as a two, like he was attempting to play last year. Um, the team overall is realistically probably going to bring in a late uh, a late NFL draft acquisition just because they do have 11 picks as of right now. Um, but not someone that's going to be super relevant. Plus, they have Valus Jones Jr. still hoping to kind of use that athleticism somehow in the second year after a very forgettable first year in the NFL. Uh, but this wide receiver core is very solid from one to three. Um, number two on the list is Cincinnati Bengals. They have, of course, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Everyone's under contract this year. Does that continue going into the season? Absolutely no idea. But as of right now, as locked and loaded as a wide receiver core as you could ask for, the Cleveland Browns just 
recently traded for Mr. Elijah Moore from the Jets, or else I would have been mocking someone to them. But with Cooper, uh, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and DPJ as the 1-2-3 punch on this team, I absolutely love the outlook with Deshaun Watson with this wide receiver core. The Dallas Cowboys also making a trade brought in Mr. Brandon Cooks from the Houston Texans now to match up with C.D. Lamb, the true tried and true number one wide receiver in the Lone Star State, as well as putting Michael Gallup back to where he needs to be as the wide receiver three. Very solid from top to bottom. You have an underneath separator, a true X on the outside, and then Michael Gallup, who is that deep threat, true threat down the field that we all know and love him to be. The Denver Broncos also sitting pat, hopefully getting Tim Patrick back to be the true wide receiver three here. Um, With the KJ Hamler injury, I was debating moving them to a yellow tier because they really don't have anyone after these top three, which is what we have seen due to injuries over the last couple years. But with having Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Tim Patrick as the one, two, three punch with everyone under the assumption of being healthy, it is a pretty solid wide receiver core. They're in a similar boat to Chicago where just for death purposes, I can see them adding in another wide receiver. But as of right now, status quo. Going on to two teams that are in the yellow category, but two teams that I have most definitely bring in wide receivers are the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Detroit Lions, although sitting pretty with Amon Ross St. Brown as a, you know, kind of a Robert Woods-esque from a fantasy standpoint, like back end of a wide receiver one, top end of wide receiver two, and then the hopeful emergence of second year burner Jamison Williams, they're still missing another kind of big bodied wide receiver. They're kind of in a very similar vein to a team like Baltimore, to a team like Arizona, where they need a bigger body. Um, They're also in need of a tight end, which is why I have them selecting a tight end on the second end, but uh, kind of doubling down on that larger profile with a guy that's kind of an Evan Ingram hybrid role. I have them bringing in Elijah Higgins out of Stanford. This dude is big boy. Looking at a 6'6 wide receiver, 235 pounds, ran a 4540 at the combine. He is a big dude that can move and he's got very solid hands. If he does make the transition to tight end, I think it's just a name. You're looking at a big move piece on this offense that likes to block and be physical. So I could very easily see this move with this type of Dan Campbell-esque, uh, you know, kneecap biters bringing in Elijah Higgins to really round out that wide receiver core. The second team mentioned is the Green Bay Packers. Um, They have Christian Watson as a deep threat and Romeo Dubs on the outside, but they are still looking for that true slot. They've tried a lot of uh, more gadgety slots is what I would recommend uh, kind of categorizing these guys as over the last couple years, trying to fill that role, even bringing in Randall Cobb, but I don't anticipate Randall Cobb being on the team next year. Now that Aaron Rodgers realistically is not on the team next year, Um, they do need a slot and what better person to bring in than a physical dude who likes to block, which is a necessity in this scheme in Parker, Washington, to truly eat over the middle. He could be a a pretty good safety blanket when everything is done and said in Green Bay for Jordan Love or the inevitable quarterback down the road, but that is a true rounding out of a wide receiver core. Um, And they don't have to burn a high-end pick on a guy like Parker Washington, which we know Green Bay just will not do for this offense. Two back-to-back teams, both in the AFC South that are desperately in need of a wide receiver are the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Um, The Houston Texans realistically will be taking a wide receiver with their second pick. I think you're looking at basically three offensive picks back-to-back-to-back to to start off with 1, 12, and 33. And the second of this pick, um, just due to the fact that they 
brought in Robert Woods. Uh, I do think they're looking still for that outside wide receiver as opposed to the over the middle guy. And what better person to bring in than Mr. Quinton Johnson on the outside? He's a big bodied freak athletic mover. Um, I was debating between him and Jordan Addison. I have Addison going to another location in the AFC. So Quentin Johnson comes in, true X on the outside, truly help Bryce Young and hopefully be able to truly unlock Quentin Johnston's ability. Um, A lot of athletic traits, just question marks. uh, Was it Max Duggan? Was it Quentin Johnston that was creating this uh, capped ceiling? Uh, Bringing him in with Bryce Young, you're going to learn then pretty quickly which of the two it was. Second team I mentioned was Indianapolis Colts. As I said, I have New Hopkins going to the Indianapolis Colts. I just think it makes a little bit too much sense from a team fit and a need fit wise for the Colts to bring in a guy like him. It's also on the AFC side. Uh, He would once again get to stick it to the Houston Texans, which I think is still kind of brewing in the deep, deep recesses of its mind. And so going to a Houston Texans rival in Indianapolis, getting matched up realistically with a rookie quarterback um, and being a true blanket wide receiver for a team that once you add him to a Pittman in a core of Jonathan Taylor, him Pittman, and then the rookie I have coming in, I think you would look at a very dangerous, dangerous offense. Um, the rookie I have fitting perfectly in Indianapolis would be Josh Downs. Still looking for a slot. This is a trend. I kind of brought this up on the wide receiver show a couple weeks ago, but um When you start looking around the league, people like to kind of shit on the slot receiver position from a fantasy aspect, but from an NFL aspect, there are so many teams that need a slot receiver, a productive slot receiver, and just do not have them. Josh Downs, in my opinion, is the best one of this draft class because I think JSN can play anywhere. Um, Love me some Josh Downs, and that fit in Indianapolis with, even if it was just Michael Pittman being a you know, 1B to a Michael Pittman's 1A, and the target share could be a very good wide receiver core. But when paired with Nuke Hopkins as a true separator underneath, that's when you get the full rounded out core that I would love to see in Indianapolis, specifically with the quarterback that I gave them last time and Anthony Richardson, who's going to need all the weapons he can get. Next team on the list is one of those top 10 teams, uh, based off of what we saw with Christian Kirk last year and Zay Jones, the fact that they're getting Calvin Ridley now in Duval County, Jacksonville, is a pretty darn nasty. You're looking at a very rounded and athletic wide receiver core that should be pretty high-flying and will not need to add anyone to this wide receiver core in the draft. Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, and Los Angeles Rams are three teams that are yellow. I think these are three teams that will add someone decently, not decently high, but probably in that fourth to fifth round range that will see some snaps productivity-wise. And there are three guys, um, two of which were on the same collegiate team, that uh, I think fit the need and the general skill set of the wide receiver core that they typically like to build around their quarterbacks. In Kansas City, you know you like speed. Uh, for my opinion, For my money, I like Trey Tucker more than Tyler Scott when it comes to speed and the ability on the outside. He's a true, like, really well put together wide receiver out of Cincinnati. And Trey Tucker going to Kansas City would make a lot of sense. Kind of in that Sky Moore mold, but could be that true wide receiver four um, or eventual wide receiver two if Tony flames out or is injured again, as I anticipate him being. As for the Chargers, I have them getting his teammate, Tyler Scott. Um, They're... Both burners out of Cincinnati, but Tyler Scott brings that athletic acumen and deep speed that they truly hasn't uh, haven't had on this team since Tyrell Williams, and so bringing in Tyler Scott just makes a ton of sense. Um, even he 
ends up being basically the wide receiver four on the team behind Palmer. Just adding a speed element is pretty much necessary on this Chargers offense. Looking at the Rams, you're still dealing with just the Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson show. I give them a true separator, um, a guy that you could liken a lot to a Cooper Cup or an Allen Robinson, a bigger frame, six foot two type wide receiver, middle of the road athleticism, but great separation ability in Michael Wilson out of Stanford. He's a guy that would make a lot of sense in LA. I would love to see him schemed up in that Sean McVay offense and learn underneath two guys that have done it at the highest level in the NFL. Going on to the Las Vegas Raiders, they're pretty much status quo. They brought in Jacoby Myers in free agency to round out this wide receiver core with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. They ain't touching that, and I don't think they need to. Um, Miami, this one was more of a fun pick for me than anything, but it's also one that just makes a lot of sense based off the wide receivers they've tried to bring in there as the wide receiver three underneath Mike McDaniels, and I have them actually being the team to pull the trigger on Tank Dell. Um, We've seen from their acquisitions and the wide receivers that they have on the team right now that they're not afraid to use those undersized guys because everyone on this team is not going to get the 10 to 15 touches that would terrify you if you're using a tank Dell. They're going to get those maybe five, six, seven touches a game, even between Hill and Waddle whatever tight end they decide to bring in. Tank Dell is the perfect offensive gadget piece and true separator that if you have Tank Dell, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle on the same team in Miami, watch out world because that's going to be pretty dangerous and I just like the fit a lot for one of the best separators in the class in Tank Dell. The Minnesota Vikings, since shipping off Adam Thielen, are in pretty desperate need of another wide receiver. I think KJ Osborne can be just a fine number two. He's proven time and time again when Thielen was injured or when Jefferson was injured that he can do exactly that. But he's more of a deep speed guy. A guy that they need is an underneath wide receiver to play that true slot role, as they have used Adam Thielen in the past. And no one does that really better from a blue-collar physicality, sneaky athleticism metric-wise than Mr. Ronnie Bell out of Michigan. Um, he's a wide receiver that is just going like criminally underneath the radar that I like a lot. If you go and watch his tape, even at the senior bowl, his post, um, you know, his post combine pro day, everything like that. Like he, he just does everything well. And it's one of those things where it's like, you might find yourself with a little bit of Nico Collins syndrome here, looking at a guy like Ronnie Bell going forward, but he's a guy I like a lot in those middle rounds to really round out, um, yeah, really, really round out this wide receiver core. New England, um, I have them as a dire need at the wide receiver position. Uh, as of right now, they have Juju Smith-Schuster and Parker Washington. This is the team that I think pulls the trigger in the first round on a Jordan Addison, even though their track record with wide receivers has not been great in the first round. I think it's a dire necessity for them to add another weapon for Mac Jones or risk getting him or Bailey Zappi basically murdered with this offensive scheme. Um, I saw a draft earlier this week of Bijan Robinson going to New England at that first overall pick, and I think that would be just the stupidest and least Bill Belichick thing you could possibly do. I know they don't typically like to deviate from the trenches in the first round, but all in all, just makes a ton of sense for the New England Patriots to add Jordan Addison as a true number one wide receiver to pair with Juju, who they just paid decent money to. Going on to the New Orleans Saints, I have them as a yellow light. Um, could leave it with just Michael Thomas and Chris Olave with Marcus Callaway, but bringing a guy like Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma really rounds out this speedy core, um, gives you well-rounded outside. That way you could really mix and match Olave and Mims in pretty much any position that you wanted to at the wide receiver position, and you're going to get success either way. 
he's an under the radar wide receiver for a lot of people, he's starting to heat up quite a bit in this fantasy space right now. But I think the fit makes a lot of sense in going to New Orleans, where they typically predicate themselves on speed. And they also lost a guy like Deontay Hardy, where Mims could step in in a return type role. It makes a little bit too much sense to ignore Mims to New Orleans. The New York Giants say what you will about their offseason of reacquisitions of players leaving as well as bringing in a Paris Campbell. They are in dire need of a wide receiver. I still liken them to be the best landing spot for OBJ to return to New York because he loves those big name markets and has matured quite a bit. Um, for me specifically, I would put him in there as a wide receiver, but even if OBJ goes there, his age and his injury concerns, they're going to need another one. And I think he would be the perfect mentor for a guy that I have been mocking to the Giants for a hot second now in Kayshawn Booty out of LSU. You want to find two knucklehead wide receivers, you put them in the same room, one that's kind of reformed but has the exact same type of play style as a Kayshawn Booty, that's what you're getting in OBJ. Um, Kayshawn Booty is one of the better wide receivers at taking a slant to the house, which is OBJ's entire calling card and can probably help that dude figure his shit out better than anyone else in the league could. Plus, having Brian Dable there to scheme them both up would be a ton of fun and would help them kind of solidify what the hell's going on with that quarterback position with Daniel Jones and that big boy contract he just got. Going on to the Jets, they're locked and loaded. They've brought in every offensive weapon known to man this offseason, rounding out their wide receiver core, even with shipping off Elijah Moore by having Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard on the offensive side of the ball here. Um, they are still rocking Corey Davis, which I don't think is going to change. And realistically, they could bring in another wide receiver, but I didn't want to mock one there right now just because I don't think they're going to bring one with the overall group of receivers, running backs, and Aaron Rodgers. They're probably gonna, not going to need another one. <clears throat> two teams back-to-back -back that are in the yellow, but I do have picking up those middle-round, kind of bigger physical slot receivers are the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers. With the Eagles, they have uh, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, but they're going to need that third option. I think Quez Watkins' train has officially left the station. Zach Pascal is no longer with the team. So you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I like Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. Um, he's a guy that is sneaky, athletic, and very, very solid. He's about one of the safer prospects that is in this class if you need a wide receiver three or wide receiver four mold. And him going to Philadelphia, the rich just get richer on offense. The Pittsburgh Steelers, also in need of kind of an underneath separator, but a guy that can play multiple positions. They just need another three. George Pickens is the true one. Um, they like to eat up the middle of the field, and I think that's where Kenny Pickett does the best. Uh, when you're looking at a good separator with average athleticism, average hands, and pretty much above-the-rim ability that you like to see in Pittsburgh with a go-get-it type of quarterback like Pickett, um, I have them bringing in Jalen Cropper, who is one of my guys. Um, he's been one of my guys since last year. I love him a lot. And if he were to go to Pittsburgh, I would be all over him. And it would be validation for uh, my own sake as to them liking the wide receiver and usually being right on the wide receivers they select. San Francisco 49ers, standing pat with Ayuk Samuel and Danny Gray. No need to really add to that core. They could add another wide receiver, but I anticipate them re-upping a guy like Brandon Ayuk. Um, they picked up his fifth-year option. You should see an expansion on that contract here coming pretty soon, and uh, they're pretty much locked and loaded. They usually don't have to pay their wide receivers very much because they get success through scheme, not usually through the players themselves. Seattle is in need of another wide receiver. I have them at a yellow um, level of a warning basically <laughs> for this position uh, Lockett is getting older and who better to learn from Lockett than a guy that I liken a lot to Tyler Lockett 
in Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. Um, Tyler Lockett is a much better route runner than Jalen Hyatt, but if there's one person that has the same skill set that I would want teaching Jalen Hyatt how to actually be an NFL wide receiver and run, as well as how to use that athleticism efficiently like DK Metcalf is able to, I would want DK and Lockett teaching him. He was the perfect deep speed guy that you can bring Lockett back into kind of the slot role in those uh, deep double moves that Lockett is just notorious for. Having Jalen Hyatt working all over the field as a deep speed, you really can't be safe at any point thinking you understand who's going deep on the field because all three of these guys would be able to shred you, and Gino loves to chuck the ball deep. So this is just a perfect team fit for me for Jalen Hyatt, even though he's not a guy I am perfectly in love with. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, standing pat as a green light, all steam ahead, uh, sorry, full steam ahead with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Russell Gage right now as their 1-2-3 punch with Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't think they're going to add to this position really heavily until they know who the quarterback is. There's no reason to the guys they have in their contract, so it should be interesting to see what they do in 2024, not so much in 2023. Going on to the Tennessee Titans, I have them basically right now with just Traylon Burks. Um, who do they need a freaking separator on this team? They decided not to bring in really anyone in free agency. They could still be a pretty good landing spot for a guy like OBJ or even a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. But as of right now, I have them bringing in JSN in the draft. I think 11 is the sweet spot, and it makes a lot of sense for JSN to go. I could even see them trying to kind of hop in front of the Eagles to take him at 9 with a trade back with the Bears, who I do not think have any need for another wide receiver right now, especially in the top 10. Um, Burks in JSN would be a pretty good one-two punch, which is really all you need in Tennessee when it comes to that, uh, you know, the one-two punch there. Um, this is, I know, slight contradiction where I had Bijan Robinson going last week in the first round. Um, if they were to not go with a JSN, I would liken them to be the team that would actually pull the trigger on a Josh Downs in the second round. But um, one of the two, I think, is inevitably going to land on the Tennessee Titans in the form of Bijan Robinson or Traylon Burks. So I'm going to stick pat with one of those two guys as my landing spots. Just again, because this is more of a best fits what I would do. Um, so I'm just standing pat with it. And then the last team on the list right now at the wide receiver position is the Washington Commanders. They're standing pat. They got McLaurin, Samuel, and Jahad Dotson from the first round last year. I mean, for my personal take, probably the second best wide receiver core in the entire NFL right here with McLaurin, Samuel, and Dotson. And there's no need really to add to that. But Washington rounds out those ones. Uh, all in all, for the wide receiver position, I had... Uh, was that nine teams that desperately need to add wide receivers. So you should see quite a few wide receivers going on day one and day two of the NFL draft. And then two, four, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 teams in that yellow range. So realistically, you could see around that 20 wide receiver average, which is pretty typical go in this draft with a remaining nine teams in the green that really don't need to touch much at the wide receiver position with that and the rearview mirror, we are going to move on to the tight end position, though. And as we did with the wide receivers, it is alphabetical order. Speaking of alphabetical order, though, we are once again here with the Arizona Cardinals, Atlanta Falcons, and Baltimore Ravens. They are all in my green keep on going category with the green light um, with Zach Ertz and Trey McBride. Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith returning to Atlanta and Mark Andrews and Isaiah like leaving drafted last year in Baltimore. These three teams are 
pretty much as locked and loaded at the tight end one and tight end two position as you could possibly be in the NFL. So any acquisitions would just be blockers in the late rounds. If they do add one, surprisingly, I still wouldn't anticipate them really uh, sticking on the team when it comes to a fantasy aspect. The first team that I do have acquiring one is the Buffalo Bills, though. Um, They are in a yellow category. They could stay in pat with Dawson Knox. Um, I believe they are in the second to last year of Dawson Knox's contract, if I'm not mistaken. Um, He's been athletic and kind of nice for them at some times, but he's been dealing with some health issues the last two seasons, and he really hasn't been a complete game changer for them. Um, He is being paid quite a bit of money, but the guy I have them bringing in is Mr. Payne Durham out of Purdue University. He is just a big dude and a true blocker for this team it would allow kind of Dawson Knox to do a little bit more of what he's good at as being a true move tight end but also Payne Durham's no slouch in the passing game he is a massive dude he's uh, six seven and a half basically 265 massive massive hands and a reach that uh should really help out a guy like Josh Allen. Specifically in the red zone is where I anticipate this being very advantageous, um, especially, as I said, with the inevitable move on from a guy like a Gabe Davis that I anticipate over the next year or so. Bringing in a guy like Payne Durham to eat up over the middle of the field and deep on those seams makes a lot of sense. The Carolina Panthers and Chicago Bears are both green lights as well. I do not have them bringing in any notable tight ends of name, um, just due to the fact that Hayden Hurst and Tommy Tremble is a pretty good one-two punch when it comes to one receiving tight end and one blocking tight end. You can say pretty much the exact same thing with Chicago when it comes to Cole Komet and Robert Tanya and their ability to pass, catch, and block respectively. Um, the next team I do have as a massive need at tight end, even with the acquisition of an Irv Smith Jr., is the Cincinnati Bengals, however. Um, I have them bringing in a true blocker. If you're going to use Irv Smith and you're going to bring in Irv Smith to be your true move tight end, you need a guy that can block his ass off and few block better than Cameron Latu out of the University of Alabama athletic toolsy guy but he's actually a very similar mold to a guy like Irv Smith but he is just a physical hit you in the mouth type of dude um he can slip out on those screens kind of like an OJ Howard but very underutilized as a passer wouldn't trust him to really be out in those pass sets deep so a guy like Cameron Latu makes a lot of sense for the Cincinnati Bengals Cleveland Browns stand in pat right now they just re-signed David Njoku to be the most expensive tight end in the NFL basically behind Travis Kelsey and they have Harrison Bryant still in the waning years of his NFL rookie contract, but a guy that I think still fits this offense quite well and is a very good piece for Deshaun Watson. They also brought in a guy like Jordan Aikens as well in Cleveland, so there's really no need to ring in a fourth tight end to this roster. A team that does need one is the Dallas Cowboys, however, and they currently are rocking only Jalen, sorry, Jaden Ferguson from last year. Jake Ferguson, he uh, out of Wisconsin was the overall tight end that I had ranked up there with a guy like Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. Um, They can do a little bit of everything, and his yak ability last year was the most impressive aspect. Uh, You saw shades of a guy like Blake Jarwin, what they wanted Blake Jarwin to be before eventually turning over to a Dalton Schultz. Um, Slightly less reliable hands than a Dalton Schultz, but a guy that's pretty good as a pass catcher. I think um, overall, he's a decent blocker. Um, He's an average blocker, but they do have a secondary tight end. um, I'm blanking on his name right now. That does basically exclusively blocking. He's like a mix between a swing tackle and a blocking tight end right now on the team. So it's not really what they ask of their tight ends. 
And because of that, I have them bringing in another tight end in Luke Musgrave. Uh, if you want your tight end to block, Luke Musgrave is not the guy that you want blocking, but he is the guy you want running over the middle of the field rampant, trying to catch passes. Uh, again, with the acquisitions that they made in Brandon Cooks, getting a little bit older, really not having a true running back game right now outside of Tony Pollard, but Dak also getting older each year. I think they need to just completely optimize their drafting solutions at the tight end and wide receiver position over the next couple of years. And Luke Musgrave is a really good linchpin to do that. I think the combo of Musgrave and Ferguson would be a very young tight end core that you would reminisce with those Blake Jarwin and those Dalton Schultz younger years and would fit a lot with this Dallas scheme of how they want to move those tight ends all over the field. The Denver Broncos, I do not have selecting a tight end because they are pretty much locked and loaded with Greg Dulcich and Albert O. Uh, one's a pass catcher. One is a receiver. It's very similar to how Sean Payton was rocking things in New Orleans, and I anticipate it being the exact same situation in Denver. Uh, two teams with massive holes, however, are once again in a similar capacity, the two NFC North teams in the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Out of the two, there has been one acquisition of Josh Oliver, a very weird acquisition by the lines for a lot of money but this is where i actually have the two best tight ends in the nfl draft going back to back um, i have the detroit lions selecting michael mayer and the green bay packers selecting dalton kincaid michael mayer is the true gritted out uh kind of not quite a hometown hero there but uh pretty close proximity for michael mayer to the state of michigan there as you can imagine a uh, tight end that could be uh pretty successful in that scheme moved all over the field and kind of gives you those shades of Hawkinson vibes just slightly less athletic um, in Green Bay they're looking for that field stretching tight end uh, they they really just have Mercedes Lewis that's basically all they have on the team right now um, not a lot of options Jason DeGura is another tight end that they have so bringing in Dalton Kincaid as a true receiving threat is another way to alleviate that pressure that Jordan Love is inevitably going to have this first year and helps the running game quite a bit because Dalton Kincaid also in similar vein to uh, Cameron Latou out of Alabama blocks his ass off. After that, we have four teams back to back to back to back in Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Kansas City that I have staying pat with the green light status. Uh, having Dalton Schultz in Houston, even on a one-year contract, makes a lot of sense with Brevin Jordan behind him. Um, just pretty solid and realistically are going to re-sign him after this year or franchise tag in worst case scenario. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have drafted a tight end pretty much every year since they've been in existence. and I don't see that stopping this year. I just don't think anyone that they're going to bring in is going to be before the sixth round. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have found their tight end in Evan Ingram with a multi-year contract that they signed him to and the Kansas City Chiefs here uh, sorry, not Jacksonville franchise, but inevitably will be long-term signing Evan Ingram. And then the Kansas City Chiefs have their replacement in Travis Kelsey in the form of Noah Gray, who is really starting to come on the last year and a half, basically the last 18 months for this team. I could very easily see him being the next Kansas City tight end for the next half to a full decade. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, they have Gerald Everett underneath contract for one more year, so I do have them as a yellow light. It's not an immediate need, but bringing a guy out of Texas in Jaleel Billingsley, who is extremely athletic and a great mover for Justin Herbert to sling the ball to and kind of learn from Everett. They play a very similar play style, would be pretty great. They're kind of a move tight end, just kind of a, a smaller move piece over the middle. Those deep slant type of guys, those deep crossers, deep seams, uh, makes a lot of sense for Jaleel Billingsley. He's a guy that is going very much under the radar in this draft prospect and a guy that I think everyone should be a little bit more tuned into to fall into one of these tight end needy spots that we have in the NFL. 
the Los Angeles Rams. I have them as a green. They probably need to add a tight end, but it is so far down on their priority list of needs right now that I don't see them bringing it in. Tyler Higby has two years left on his contract, has been sneakily one of the best and most consistent blocking tight ends and receiving tight ends in the NFL, both from a normal NFL standpoint and from a fantasy aspect over the last basically five years. Uh, people like to hate on him, but he's just constantly a top 10 tight end due to volume. The dude sees six to seven targets every single week, and that's hard to say at the tight end position. The Las Vegas Raiders let go of Mr. Darren Waller to the New York Giants, but they still have Austin Hooper since bringing him in into uh, you know free agency. I think they are still going to be looking for an athletic move type of piece, and Will Mallory out of the University of Miami makes a lot of sense to go to the Raiders here. Um, he's a guy that would be pretty neat to watch in this Las Vegas Raiders offense and would be a pretty good mold with Austin Hooper, can do pretty much everything and allow Will Mallory to just kind of be used in a fun, creative way in that Raiders, uh, you know, spread offense with Jimmy Garoppolo, hopefully throwing him the ball. Uh, kind of reminds me of a Ross Dwelly, actually from San Francisco, which would make a lot of sense in the scheme. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, they are in desperate need of a tight end. And this is where I have going uh, yet another piece that just makes a lot of sense for this Miami team that a lot of people aren't talking about, and that is Mr. Darnell Washington out of the University of Georgia going to Miami. Uh, Mike McDaniels has seen time and time again what a blocking tight end that can also move can do for this spread Shanahan-esque offense, and Darnell Washington is the epitome of what George Kittle does best, basically. His blocking game and his wheel outs. Uh, his yak is not that great. He's a billboard and he's not the absolute fastest, but he's a dude that is a massive target and is such a good blocker that I think he just makes way too much sense in this scheme to ignore. I think the acquisition of a Tank Dell and a Darnell Washington in this scheme would be absolutely electric for San Francisco. And I'm just going to burn through quite a few of these teams now. Um, actually, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row that are in green light status. If they bring in a tight end, it's realistically just going to be an additional blocker, swing tackle type, more than anything, just a depth piece to kind of spell their lead, guys. But that is the Minnesota Vikings have TJ Hawkinson, who's realistically going to become the highest paid tight end in the league here this year. You have the New England Patriots, who brought in Mike Gusecki in free agency to pair with Hunter Henry, a very dynamic and dangerous tight end one, tight end two combo. New Orleans Saints, who are rocking back with one of the better move tight ends in Juwan Johnson and one of the better blocking tight ends in Adam Troutman as a one-two punch. You have the New York Giants now with Darren Waller as the true tight end one there, but with probably a top five athleticism-wise tight end in Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State from last year, who I liked a lot and was kind of shocked that they're moving on kind of completely from him being a true piece for them next year. And then you have the New York Jets with Conklin and Uzoma running it back in New York with Aaron Rodgers, most likely. That's just a very solid tight end one, tight end two, two guys that know exactly how to do what they're supposed to do and how to do it appropriately that will keep Rodgers happy. You have the Philadelphia Eagles with Dallas Goddard and a couple of uh, you know reclamation projects behind him, but Dallas Goddard is really the life, uh, life heartbeat of the Philadelphia Eagles offense still with Jalen Hurts. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers with Pat Fryermuth. They could bring in another tight end just to kind of pair with him a more athletic one if they wanted to but this is a guy that is just you know arrows up when it comes to the true nfl and his ability to help a team and then the san francisco 49ers still rocking uh, george kittle and ross dwelly adds the tight end one tight end two just really locking it down 
But to round out the tight end position, I have four teams that will most likely be acquiring one at some point in this NFL draft. That is the Seattle Seahawks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tennessee Titans, and the Washington Commanders. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are still have Noah Fant technically for one more year under contract, but they are lacking a true blocking tight end and a guy that can do a little bit of everything. They have always liked the athletic tight ends that are very good blockers and scheme versatile. Uh, that screams Luke Shoemaker out of Michigan State to me. He's probably my favorite tight end in this year's class. He's the type of guy I typically fall in love with who can do absolutely everything, and I never understand why they're not on the field more, um, but he's probably going to be relegated to blocking a little bit more. This is more of a Seattle Seahawks NFL move than a fantasy football move, but I would like Shoemaker's long-term prospects if he were to be added to a team like Seattle with that offense as well-rounded as it is. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, currently sitting just with Kate Otten from last year's draft. He kind of came on. He's amazing at blocking. Uh, kind of surprised as a pass catcher last year. But this is a team that I could see very easily adding Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion uh, here. Um, he's an athletic freak at the position, and it would add another kind of like a wide receiver three option um, on par with like a Russell Gage over the middle of the field that could really open this um, offense up. It's the first time that they haven't had Cameron Bray on this team in like a decade, basically. So Kate Otten's probably going to have to take on quite a few more blocking roles if they don't bring in another tight end that's going to block a little bit more. So you're going to be looking for that wider receiver type of move tight end in a Zach Kuntz that could really eat in this offense, in this Tampa Bay scheme that likes to use two tight end sets quite a bit. Tennessee Titans has one of my favorite um, tight ends in the league in Mr. Chiggy Aquanquo out of the University of Maryland. Um, he was one of my draft sweethearts last year and uh, really started to come on late last year at the tight end position. He actually led all rookie tight ends in receiving last year. Um, I have them bringing in another dude. Uh, this team needs weapons. I already have them bringing in one of either Bijan Robinson or JSN, but bringing in Sam Laporta out of Iowa would help really round out this team's long-term goals. And these are three players that I'm suggesting for them over the last two episodes that could really, you know, lean into the Vrabel mindset. Like Bijan's one of the most grinded out physical running backs that's just an athletic freak on top of it. JSN does everything to such a minute, fine detail that he's just, every coach is going to love him from the wide receiver position. And then Chiki Aquanquo, uh, although good, does have some deficiencies as an overall blocker and a full use type of tight end in a similar vein to what Austin Hooper was from them last year. I think Sam Laporta could give you what Austin Hooper was earlier on in his career as a true rookie in a much cheaper and younger option than what a Austin Hooper is currently for the Las Vegas Raiders. It's a fit that I like a lot and I'm liking more and more for Tennessee to draft another tight end of note to kind of alleviate the pressure that's going to be on that wide receiver core regardless of who they bring in and um, kind of zig when the rest of the league is zagging. That's typically what Tennessee likes to do with their acquisitions in the draft. And then the Washington Redskins, this is a team that is just really, really, really in trouble um, when it comes to the tight end position. They have Logan Thomas technically on the team, but the dude's, I think, 34 years old. Um, it, it, there's a lot of question marks behind him uh, at the tight end position, and bringing in a guy like Tucker Kraft at a South Dakota State University, um, just an athletic, real big, bruising tight end, can do everything you want to do, um, but it would pair pretty nicely uh, with a couple of the other 
they're guys like John Bates is a guy I like at the tight end position in Washington. I've liked him since he came out and you see flashes on a regular basis, but it's just, he has not been able to command the room. So this is a team that's inevitably going to bring in a tight end. And very similarly to how I felt about the giants last year with regardless of whoever they brought in, in the draft, my last ranking before the draft and my first ranking after the draft um, I told you guys time and time again that the whoever lands in New York is going to be my sleeper and my most acquired and most probably rostered tight end out of the rookie class. That's how I feel about the Washington Redskins this year. Um, I, I just really think whoever they bring in, if it's a guy in the first three to four rounds, which is around that same range you were looking at with the Daniel Bellinger last year, there's pretty much no way I'm not going to have him on my roster. It just makes a little bit too much sense. The wide receiver core is really locked down, but there are question marks at running back specifically from the receiving side and definitely question marks at the tight end position right now um, for this rookie quarterback who's going to need to rely on a reliable pass option outside of just those wide receivers. So Again, looking at this, a little bit more locked and loaded, green light, get ready and go at the tight end position. The tight end is pretty deep position in the NFL, but there are quite a few holes. As you can see, I actually had 12 tight ends going that I like quite a bit to a lot of these places. They fill the immediate needs, and there's a couple that if it happens, I will be just over the moon for these people, um, specifically looking at... Dalton Kincaid to Green Bay would be absolutely bonkers to me. I think bringing in Jaleel Billingsley to Los Angeles Chargers would be a huge under-the-radar signing that a lot of people wouldn't be talking about until after the draft. Um, he'd be one of those steady drumbeat guys going into the offseason uh, training camp period. Darnell Washington to Miami would pretty much break the NFL, I think, for that Miami offense. And then, like I said, um, if Tucker Craft or Zach Kuntz or Sam Laporta or Shoemaker, really any of those last four end up on any of those four teams that I mentioned, the Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Tennessee, and Washington, I'm going to be pretty well in on them. But this has been the second edition of the Red Light, Green Light, folks. Um, it's been a good time. We covered all the wide receivers and all the tight ends on this position. Um, this will lead us, at the time of recording of this, we should have about two weeks until the NFL draft when you're hearing this. So my next two weeks will be the final positional rankings, the final expectations, and just kind of notes that I have on some of these rookie players, as well as uh, just kind of a final mock landing spot that I'm going to be going over the next two weeks. And then I dive deeply into my uh, post-draft rankings and player analysis outlooks for the 2023 season. Uh, we are officially in April, which is pretty scary, but it's also a very fun time. Um, the off season is really churning out. And if you think about it, we got about four and a half months really until the season kicks off, which is pretty freaking awesome. But until next time, this has been the Rookie Rundown, Red Light, Green Light episode deuce. And until next time, have a great week. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.